It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. the gloves on, he went down swinging, took it to Hirano, to Ayuma Hirano all day he should be very proud, he's a very proud Australian, Scotty, and he did us all proud today. Yeah, Scotty absolute greatness walking away with the silver medal you should be proud, mate, because you've made everyone here in Australia extremely proud. Well, the sounds there of Scotty James receiving his silver medal, becoming the sixth Winter Olympian with multiple medals for Australia at the Winter Olympics. I've been loving the Aussie efforts at the Winter Olympics and still a chance of uh, some more gold and otherwise coming up this weekend, Jenny. Oh, massively exciting. Uh, Scotty James, look, he's looking to settle the the set by coming around again in 2026. So let's, let's hope for that. Uh, but yeah, plenty more opportunity. Uh, the one I'm really looking forward to, of course, is the women's skeleton. I can't oh. believe that as a sport to start with. And the yep. fact that we're in the gold medal position right now with more to come this weekend, I'm pumped. Oh, I can't wait to see if we uh, do get to add any more uh, silverware or, you know, do, do we call metal silverware? I don't know if that's quite right, is it? Shiny accessories. Shiny accessories. <laughs> uh, Jackie Narricott sitting in the gold medal position at the moment. But let's talk a, a bit more action from Beijing in a scooch more detail on the Overnight Crowd. Let's talk some Winter Olympics on the Overnight Crowd. Jackie Dodd is co-founder of Edge of the Crowd and host of Ascending Olympus podcast. And she joins us on the Overnight Crowd. G'day, Jackie. Tonight. Yeah, good. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks for the time once again. I am, of course, uh, joined by Jenny and uh, we are talking the Winter Olympics. Uh, I'll kick things off here with a chat about uh, Scotty James winning the silver medal in the men's half pipe, becoming Australia's sixth Winter Olympian to win multiple medals. You called it this morning when I uh, hit you up for the chat today, Jackie, but very close to a gold as well. Yeah, um, almost frustratingly close in a lot of ways. <laughs> if that last heat had a stuck, maybe it would have been a gold medal. But I think that he well and truly deserves that silver. I think that you can't take that gold medal off Ayumi Hirano after that six, uh, after that third run, I should say, because that 96 was just like, yeah, fair play to that. <laughs> but um, I thought that Scotty's runs were both amazing. He backed up a really good performance of the X Games at the end of January with this Olympics. And whilst it was a few points short, it's not like that second run was anything that anyone's going to be knocking anytime soon either. It was so impressive, Scotty James, and I love the way he spoke about his excitement to to get silver. I know that sometimes people talk about losing the gold. I just really appreciated his ability to appreciate what he did throughout those runs and the fact that someone was better on the day. Yeah, and like Ayumi Hirano is also, he's actually now a four-time Olympian, a three-time hmm. Winter Olympian, because he competed in the skateboarding at the Summer Games <laughs> last year. So <laughs> it's like it. you've got some experienced competition, and they both went one better from 2018 as well, which makes it a little bit more magical. Another uh, Aussie involved in the event is Valentino Gasselli, the 16-year-old. He finishes sixth uh, at his debut Olympics. A real impressive effort. Yeah, um, 16th at an Olympics when you're six, uh, sorry, sixth at an Olympics when you're 16. <laughs> um, don't think many people can brag about that. 
It was uh, the most consistent out of anyone. And I think that's been Valentino's greatest asset on the World Cup circuit this year as well, is he was consistently getting like two very similar scores. And today he put down three scores. I think his second and third run were both the exact same score. And he said that he thought his third run was the best run he's put down all year. He's currently a world record holder anyway, because he has the highest vertical out of a pipe out of anyone. Um, So like, I just think that there's very little that you can complain about. Maybe yeah. like, oh, could he have gotten a few extra points? But also like he was up against a very experienced competition and he was within six points of Sean White. Yeah. What a future. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll be seeing him back twice, maybe three more times. Yeah. You think so. If we switch across to the, the figure skating and, and Brendan Carey, he had a PB, didn't he, uh, with the free skate. So that secured him a 17th place. But we're wondering, is, is this his last Olympics or have we got any more in him? Um, I think that it depends on how his body holds up. He's been dealing with a lot of injuries over the years, mm-hmm. but also at the same time, like I think this is the first time that a lot of skating fans would say that like Brendan showed what people have believed he's capable of doing. Um, so it's a bit the body. It's also the motivation. Um, I would say that spending all that time overseas, because I think he lives in Moscow most of the time now, um, is quite difficult because you'd miss your family, you'd miss your friends that are back home. So there is that. He's 27. So by the next game, he'll be 31, which there are 31-year-olds in the figure skating, but like even 27, you're like in the old guard already. <laughs> We've uh, talked the drama, the in- intrigue. Uh, I'm always searching for the tea around the figure skating at the Winter Olympics. But we mentioned Brendan's best placing. Uh, Nathan Chen, the three-time world champion from America, finally able to secure a gold medal in the uh, men's comp. Yeah, I think that uh, he got his redemption as far as what happened in 2018, very much in the short program of the team event. And I think both across this short program and free skate in the men's singles event, it's not that it was redemption, it's validation for about six years of actually pretty consistent effort because he's only missed the gold medal twice in the past, I think, five years, five seasons. So you look at that and it's that one Olympics where he finished fifth and then there was a third place earlier this year and you're just like, consistency will get rewarded because like <laughs> judges are human. Yep. But also like when you skate that well, like, the only person that's going to beat you is the clean Yuzuru Hanyu. And Yuzuru Hanyu, unfortunately, did not skate clean. And with the, speaking of, you know, the intrigue and the drama around all the figure skating and stuff, have you got any update on the doping incident that could see uh, the Russian Olympic Committee uh, side lose their team gold and potentially their women's single favourite get disqualified? Yeah, so there's been a lot. Like, there was obviously questions about why that medal ceremony wasn't happening immediately and then slowly but surely. And I think thanks a lot to the Inside the Games reporting the information's come out is that uh, Camilla Valieva, who tested positive for... I The drug's like colloquial name is like TMZ, but um, <laughs> right at Nas- uh, Russian Nationals over Christmas. So it's a test from about a month and a half ago as well. Um, The Russian anti-doping agency suspended her for a day. That was on February 8th and February 9th. And then got rid of the suspension because she appealed it. And now it's up to IOC. And they've said 
are pretty much that they are going to appeal the decision with the Court of Arbitration of Sport. That needs to get decided in the next three days because <laughs> they compete on the 15th. So it's a really interesting and also worrying situation because like she's only 15 years old. So you don't really expect a 15 year old to know that this uh, anti-metabolic it's like like a metabolism based drug, but also a drug that like some athletes use for like heart conditions or previously did before it became a banned substance. Um, like she wouldn't necessarily know what's in it. I think that the adults around her, in particular her coaches and also like the doctors and stuff, are largely like the ones at fault and should be under scrutiny. And I think that it's going to cause a little bit of a reckoning in the sport. But Zalieva is the person that's going to get hurt most of all because now every result that she has in the next two years because they have such short careers, these Russian girls, is going to be questioned because of this one incident, regardless of what the actual outcome of the uh, Court of Arbitration of Sport decisions are. So it's going to be decided within the next three days. Well, it has to be decided within the next three days. Um, it does in the sense of if they're going to stop her from competing and it okay. gets decided in the next three days, mm. but it could take longer. They could allow her to compete. It gets found guilty. She gets stripped of the medal. Then the Russian Olympic Committee can then also like appeal it again and then get reinstated. It's very <laughs> messy, this situation. And I think the fact that a minor and under the actual, like she's a protected person under all of the systems because she's so young, um, getting caught up in it, it just adds to the scandal, I think, a little bit as well. Mm. Jackie Narricott uh, in the gold medal uh, position heading into tomorrow after smashing her first two rounds uh, runs in the women's skeleton. What happens from here and uh, what does Jackie need to do to win gold? Uh, so I'd say just keep putting down consistent runs is what she needs to do. Um, so it's 102 times uh, very good. I think she's like 0.02 ahead. Okay. of the nearest competition. Sure. <laughs> it seems like the track's running a little bit slower than people were expecting it to in test. So it's definitely about um, having a good drive rather than just also that quick start. Um, I don't think anyone really saw this coming. She won her first World Cup not too long ago. It was in St. Moritz uh, in January. And that was like a big shock because her highest placing for the rest of the season was 11th. And then she's coming to the Olympics, had middling practices and now she's had a run that was second a run that was the third fastest time in the second heat but because they're so consistent is sitting on top um it's an exciting prospect <laughs> i don't know what to expect after the third uh third run tomorrow night the field will be cut to 20 she's definitely going to be in that at this rate because she's like over a second ahead of those that are sitting in 21st and 22nd and then there's that fourth run, and it's can the Germans sneak in and beat her? Can Kim Boss come back from, I think she's sitting in sixth right now, um, and do it? But also, like, a medal in skeleton for an Australian. When <laughs> we got our first ever sliding gold medal at a World Cup a month ago, you're just <laughs> like, oh, wow. <laughs> Could be absolutely incredible. Hey, I'm, I'm very excited to follow how Jackie's going. Yeah, moving on to Nick Timmings, there's been a heap of talk about his suit. How's he been performing? 
Um, not the best performances. He had a really rough start on his first tee, which was, I think, yesterday, um, was 25th. And he just collided with the wall so early that it was like no chance of coming back. His second heat was a lot better, still finished 24th, but like having issues with the suit, um, this field in the men's is so strong as well that it's very hard to come back from. I think tonight, if he can put up a good time, he's got to also hope for some rough times from those that are ranked inside the top 20 and also like 21st through 24th. Is it possible for him to get a fourth run? Maybe. I might be thinking that it's a little bit unrealistic, but at the same time, never say never. Some crazy stuff can happen on these sliding tracks. It's so quick. Uh, what about the cro- uh, cross-country skiing? Uh, we saw the women's 10-kilometre classic competed. Uh, Casey Wright, Jessica Yeaton finishing in 67th, 51st respectively. The men's 15-kilometre classic with a couple of Aussies are uh, competing and finishing in between 70th and 80th. It looks like a way to spend an afternoon. I don't know if I'll be uh, heading out across the uh, country, across country too uh, shortly, Jackie, but uh, how'd the Aussies go? I'd say pretty well. I don't think we expect heat from the Aussies. The men's definitely seemed less happy with their results than the girls did. Um, the Like Jess Eden and Casey Wright, both, they were as frustrated as say Hugo Hinkler's who <laughs> cameras caught him swearing on TV after he um, <laughs> finished. But at the same time, like Lars Young-Dick and um, Phil Bellingham finishing right between each other today, I just, I think that cross-country skiing is a very, very hard sport. And the fact that we had four men in that race and we had two women in the race yesterday, is an achievement in itself. Like, mm. just getting those qualifications, that's hard enough. <laughs> um, and, like, those races are huge. Like, a 15-kilometer race for the men or a 10-kilometer race for the women. The next, like, big races that they have are even worse. There's a 50-kilometer freestyle and oh. a 30-kilometer freestyle. What? And I'm no, just thanks. like, no. <laughs> yeah. This is a sprint. <laughs> compared yeah wow <laughs> well so leaving uh what sounds to both of us here like one of the most challenging physically demanding sports <laughs> to do in the cross-country skiing what about the snowboard cross for the men we've got adam lambert adam dixon and jared hughes unfortunately eliminated in the round of 32 but cam bolton he's our aussie that's through to the quarterfinals yeah cam bolton had two really good like first starting races his seating looked incredible and then so did his uh, round of 32 race. And then that quarterfinal, like he led for 80% of that race, then got passed and lost a whole bunch of momentum. But also like even Adam Lambert came, it was a photo finish, like came within, I think it was like the nose of the board um, from making those quarterfinals. And he's had some incredible rides. Um, he had the sixth fastest time in seeding. The unfortunate part was it took him two seeding runs to get that time. So he ended up uh, in 17th after seeding, I think it was. But also, like, Adam Dixon rode really well. Um, Jared Hughes, it was a shame about that crash. But I think also on top of that, the fact that after he crashed, he got up and still crossed the finish line is commendable as well. Uh, Greta Small with the uh, Super G for Greta, finishing 31st, uh, doing us all proud. Uh, how'd she go? Really good. So she matches her finish in 2018. Um I find those downhill skiing events 
probably some of the scariest stuff that the Olympics. <laughs> They're going so quick. And I like half the time I'm not even watching the athletes. I'm watching the little speedometer at the top corner of the screen. <laughs> um, but yeah, she had a pretty clean race. I think that she's obviously not as quick as say the medal winners, but I think that again, when you don't have the opportunity to do downhill skiing the same way that those guys do even in our winters let alone how hot our summers are and the fact that you've got to spend all that time overseas it does become very hard and this is Greta's third Olympics and I think the fact that she matched uh, a result from her second Olympics is a testament to how hard she's been working because all these athletes get better the more times they go out and compete. It's a a crazy vertical thing to decide that you're going to go and, um, and compete at. I, I, I believe I'm the same as you. I watch the, the, the speeds and, and I sort of look away. It scares me a little bit. So um, Belle Brockhoff, she's our, of course, triple Olympian. Um, however, finished fourth, one of our sort of medal favourites in the preview of the Olympics, but uh, just a poor start in the final hurt her, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, as they said on the commentary over and over again, those Wu-Tang sections are so technically challenging for everyone and she just seemed to struggle at the start of them um, and didn't come out of the hole as well as she could have. At the same time, though, like, she's clearly an incredible racer and she tried to get back in it, but it was just too little too late in parts. Um, again, though, like, it's the same with... I don't think we can be disappointed with Scotty James and Silver. I don't think anyone can be disappointed with a fourth place in a final um, when you had to have, I think she said in the end she had nine runs that day. So she would have had more runs on that course than anyone else Jeez. on the day. Her legs would have been killing her <laughs> along with like every other part of her body. And she still put down a really good time, um, has had trouble with training and everything like that. So I don't know. I, I look at it and it's just impressive. As was Josie Bath's result. Um, it was a shame about that fall in her 1-8 final, but still she did incredibly well and the fact that we had two the fact that we had two women making the olympics mm. um in the snowboard cross which we've never done before is a phenomenal achievement yeah we continue to punch above our weight most certainly as a nation at the winter olympics and speaking of josie <laughs> along with bell uh there uh, well bell's going to team up with cam bolton josie with adam lambert in the snowboard cross mixed teams event what happens in this event a little bit different to how I think some would expect. Essentially, the men have their race first. And the important thing for the men is if you're at the back of the pack, get as close to the front of the pack as possible. If you're at the front of the pack, win by as much as you can because your time difference actually affects when your female partner starts. Um, so I think it was at World Championships last year. Um, it was Jared Hughes and Bell Brockhoff that ended up winning. Jared won his heat and he had like a 0.2 or maybe it was even as far as 0.5 of a second advantage that gave Bell a head start. And that was how they ended up being able to win the gold medal. So there's a little bit of strategy that's going to come into play, I think, tomorrow in the quarterfinal because the Australians are up against each other in the quarterfinal against, I think, one of the US teams and one of the Swiss teams. So maybe they're going to strategize to make sure one team gets through or maybe it's going to be let's try and get us both out in the front because they are going up against the women's gold medalist, um, Lindsay Jacob Ellis. So it'll be a tough race for both Belle and Josie. But I think it was interesting to see. We initially only had one team and it was Belle Brockhoff that <laughs> kind of leaked it that they were going to probably have two because one of the Japanese women didn't start and Japan didn't have a second woman to compete. 
on top of they had a qualified mixed team. So we were the ones waiting in the wings and we just got it, which was quite lucky, I think, in the whole grand scheme of things. Well, Jackie, thanks for the time once again. Uh, hopefully we're headed to more gold across the weekend. We'll continue to follow your work on Edge of the Crowd and also on the Ascending Olympus podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Our thanks once again to Jackie Dodd from Edge of the Crowd for joining us on the Overnight Crowd. How have you been enjoying the action from the Winter Olympics? I was thinking today, do you think Australia's overachieved so far at the Winter Olympics? Is there an overachievement factor at the Winter Olympics for Australia? Absolutely there is. Look, yeah. look at our climate. It's not, and even regards to hills, we don't yeah. even have enough of the mountains sure. to go around. So incredibly uh, overachieving, I believe, and, and I love the fact that we just represent so well over oh, yeah. in those sports. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the overnight crowd, 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. Jump on, have a chat with Heater and Jenny on the overnight crowd. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.